So we got an announcement to make. For the first time in a very long time, long there will time. be a techish live show. Live show, live in show. In the house, it will be in London. If you're listening in the states, one day we will we will be in the US. But for now, this one's in London, October 25th. Yeah. The link to get your tickets will be in the show notes. They probably will go fast, so grab them while you can. Yes. And it will be techish, but in person. We may have some special guests. Special guests. And Watch this space. Yeah, it's your chance to mingle and jam with other your listeners, favorite hosts. the community, and of course, yours truly. Yep, yep, yep. Link in the show notes go get that ai is eating the web as we speak and what that means for business leaders is this the time to embrace ai technology is now because for people like us automation helps us do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations it's basically magic if you haven't tried hubspot's new ai features you should do that content assist and chatspot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team a whole bunch of time hubspot's features run on ChatGPT tech to help you make compelling content and manage your crm way faster than before we're talking ad copy data analytics, workflow automations. So work smarter, not harder, and head to hubspot.com forward slash artificial dash intelligence to learn more about using AI to streamline your marketing, sales, and customer service ops. Link in the show notes. Yo, everyone, welcome back. Brand new Techish in the building. Back on a roll again. It's me, Michael Bain, the CEO of Pocket and Pocket Jobs. And I'm joined with... Abadesi Osinsade, CEO of Hustle Crew. Follow us at Hustle Crew Live. Abadesi in the house. All right, cool. So talk to me about the evil practices of apps that most consumers aren't aware of. Because I was on your social media recently. Oh, thank you. Your Instagram. And I found out that Uber charges me more when my battery's about to die. So that's the rumor. It's not confirmed. Oh, okay. So there was a study that came out where a Belgian team looked at it and they found they were getting charged 6% more when their battery was how lower. How does it know? But it was a very small sample size. Right, so okay. the question, how does it know, is pretty easy. I've worked as a developer. And when I worked at an app company, when you give permission for a lot of apps, mm. you, we get an astonishing amount of data. Wow. Battery, location. Damn. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think about it. I'm not reading you, those terms and you, yeah, you No, but think about it. If you use Google Maps, how does it know where you are? True. It knows exactly where you are and it's following you throughout the whole process. So Google knows where you've been at. And so do a lot of other apps. So it's technically completely possible. It's mm. not like, oh, how is this possible? Completely possible. Yeah. The question is whether they actually do it and would they be silly enough to do that considering the potential PR backlash? I mean, yeah, that's price discrimination on another level. Like we all know when we're booking airline flights, the more you keep checking the page because it has your IP address, it starts to put the prices up and up and up, which is why you should like go incognito or VPN. The airline thing is interesting. So airlines or like booking websites have been shown to charge you more if you're using a Mac. No. Yes. So airline booking websites will look at the, they will look at certain like, data this points. This person has money. Exactly. They'll look at certain data points and see, like, this person is wow. of means. We will charge them more. This is actually true up until like three, four years ago. I don't know if it's currently true. I should true. actually buy a Chromebook just to save money. Bruh, get this up, get a laptop <laughs> and just log in once. Yeah. And that's it. The, the more you log in, the more the price will go up because yeah. they'll know that you're kind of interested in your, and you're perusing. And depending on what device you use, it may go up. Now, going back to Uber, my personal feeling is they don't do this, but. The origin of the rumor came out because the head of economic research at the company admitted that people who are on low battery are more willing to pay for surge price. Yeah. So that's the origin of the rumor. So people are like, okay, so you just realized that people are more willing to do something. How? Would you (laughs) then act on that? (laughs) And also Uber pioneered surge pricing outside of like travel in terms of taxi cabs companies. So if you're willing to charge people more based on collective demand, 
why wouldn't you charge people more based on their individual demand? Mm. It's not that much of a leap. And they're a very scrupulous company and they've had a history of doing a lot of fuckery things. But I think I'm going to say, I'll give them the benefit of doubt. Actually, somebody who worked at Uber reached out to me when I did yeah. a video about this and they were like, no, we don't do this, blah, 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 blah. So mm, okay. uh, they may or may not have paid me to say this, but I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> to Did you ever um, use Uber Pool? That I did. You know what? That was a crazy time. You I never think back used to, that. Now I used it, but when I think back to it now, I'm like, that was a crazy. Like, time. That was an innocent time, it's wasn't like, it? Who are you? I yeah, know. It's just like it's a random was person. Hilarious. Like especially if you took it at night, like on a Friday night, it'd be like, hey, after party. Do you think there's any like children that were born because of Uber Pool? <laughs> the first Uber Pool. <laughs> Middle name is Paul. Someone out there, but would you admit it? Is the question? What? Yeah, mummy and daddy met in an Uber pool. Like yeah. that's not that's like quite a romantic story. The type of story you would hear in a rom com. You were conceived in an Uber. No, pool. not conceived, <laughs> but you met in an Uber. <laughs> so there was an app called IRL. I never heard of it. I think it was targeted at Gen Z. It was meant to be some sort of event organizing platform. And can I say, by the way, like the amount of first time founders that hit me up talking about they want to do like an event app. I want to help people find things to do and have <laughs> hobbies. I'm like. Dude, this ain't gonna work. Dude, that <laughs> this most likely ain't gonna run. I'm gonna. I've heard this idea about 25 times, mm. and like it's such a hard thing to execute. It's because everyone who's young is always looking for things to do. So they're yeah. like, oh, let me build an app that helps me solve that problem. But the rest of us just want to sit at home and watch TV. I right? stop coming up <laughs> with these apps. I'm joking. I'm playing. So this was an app that I think was meant to do that. Essentially, the board investigated because they were a bit worried about some of the things. They weren't looking that good, and they found yeah. out that up to 95 percent of its reported 20 million users were not real. They what? Were complete bots basically were they like um, farm in a farm somewhere like where no where, they just they? i don't know they're just faking it it weren't real like mm, i don't know okay. and the ceo's now had to step down and he's basically in a whole heap of trouble it's crazy how many, uh, this is what i don't understand so we had that situation with frank which is the yes. app that was sold to jp morgan i believe mm-hmm. that was meant to be an app for student loan payments blah 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 turned out to be most of the users were fake in that situation that is wild but i sort of understand where you have fake users and you try to cash out you're like let me yes. just cash out and dump this piece of shit and run basically right yes i don't know why she wasn't living in mexico or where she yeah exactly I, I don't know what she was thinking there but anyways this person was that their intention as well you reckon it was to scale up get enough users and just cash out and like, Do you know what it is? I think it's like, again, that idea of like snowball effect. Like at one mm. point they needed X amount of fake users to, to I don't know, money. sign a new partner, raise money or whatever, got in touch with some kind of like farm in India or Ukraine and paid yeah. for them, right? Because you can literally pay people and they will get people to sit on a computer and log in. And then before you knew it, like someone else needed, you know, data on like their engagement or their users and then they just couldn't like back down i don't know it's partly the game let's not lie like people are being encouraged to do shady things for vanity metrics and whatever but yeah there's always going to be scammers it's com- it's competition and you know scamming is a strategy <laughs> it I, is a strategy I, 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 I think tech makes the scamming very very easy i'll be honest with you because how much due diligence is actually done like it's very much a FOMO based economy where at least definitely during the bull market where it's like, oh, you know, Sequoia's invested in that round. Oh yeah, get me in, get me in. No yes. one's sitting there thinking, let me do an extensive look into the user base. Let me talk to three of your customers. And yes. Let me talk to three random customers. so I know that you're not just giving me the handpicked ones. Like who's doing that? And actually a lot of times there was almost too much founder power because I did mm. hear a lot of founders would, if anybody did ask for due diligence, they're like, oh, forget you. I'm going to that VC firm now or I'm going to Fair. that angel. So it was a breeding ground for this type of stuff to happen because there's a lot of scrupulous people out here. We're like, hold on, so I can get money to cash out in a secondary and, you know, maybe get the hell out of town. 
And then maybe actually, so I know we talk about succession too much, but actually when you rewatch that finale or the kind of final season, the dude who had the Swedish act, whatever, he had all these fake users in India, didn't he? He was like, I got all these fake users in India. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, like, don't worry because we're going to grow into those numbers. So I think that probably is what people think. I don't think, I don't know about the Frank app because obviously she sold the app to the company, but this person, he maybe thought we'll get to 20 million eventually. So like- The thing is, that's just a lie you tell yourself. Like if you're going to get to them eventually, why don't you just get to them now? But yeah, I feel like it's also, we just need more repercussions for scammers because how many people, look, when the WeWork papers came out and everyone was like, oh, Adam Newman's employed like half his family on a six-figure salary, like literally just inventing jobs for like moms and pops and brother and cousin to do. And then like a few years later, he was just like back out raising again for some kind of like sustainability or climate startup. Like there's no repercussions for scammers if you scam that doesn't break the law. Like it's not illegal to lie about your users, apparently. Yeah, but unless you're Adam, going public, and then I think Adam Newman though skated the line, and what I mean by <laughs> that is, I think he yeah. held the line between absolute out and out fraud and just basically bullshit merchant. Because essentially, mm. what he did is he took a real business. WeWork is a real business. We've used WeWork. Yeah. We probably will use WeWork. There's loads of WeWorks. We can physically see this is a real company, but he bullshitted his way to a valuation that was so insane. Yeah, spent his way to have spent his way in an insane way set the structure up in a way where there was no accountability like you said he owned the trademark personally his family yeah. owned lots of buildings it was a cash cow for him and his family but the reason why he's able to go out and raise money today even though the value of WeWork is nowhere and it's actually less than what he took out of the business is because those early investors made money so if you yeah. bought if you invested 100k into WeWork in the seed round or an angel investment round it did go public and you did yeah. make a lot of money so they're looking at this guy saying he's the horse I want to ride to the, to, to the millions <laughs> he's going to make me money even if it is in a very scrupulous horrible way whereas these people now are just basically saying we haven't got a real product we don't have anyone using this product it's all smoke and mirrors it's all mirage i want a hundred million dollars and I, that's <laughs> what you're gonna end up in a jail cell next to elizabeth Holmes. That's what I'm saying. this episode is a bit different i've sent abadesi on holiday so i've got a more than capable guest host to fill in and she goes by the name Angela Andrews. <laughs> so the first story, I don't know how to feel about it. So basically Apple was reportedly working on the way to help detect and diagnose conditions such as depression, anxiety, and cognitive decline all from the iPhone. So they're doing a whole bunch of research on this. They're even working on a way to monitor conditions like, you know, Alzheimer's and stuff. And theoretically, one day you may get a ping on your phone saying Apple's concerned about you, you know, we think you might have issues with depression and anxiety. Maybe we recommend you go to a therapist. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm not sure. But what's your initial gut instinct when you heard this story? When I, my gut was like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> um, giving any tech company your medical information, your biometrics, your things like that. I have a problem with that. I think it's very invasive. You know, it doesn't feel right because we know tech companies have a way of making something sound good in the beginning. Right. And then they do you dirty at the end. I don't. I do not agree with what they're doing. I know, you know, the research is out there. We're trying to help these types of diagnoses and issues and we're trying to help, you know, they're trying to help air quote their customers, but it just doesn't feel right to me. I I, I wouldn't co-sign anything like that, giving up my information. So they're, they're claiming that all the d- information will be local. So it will be on the device and none of the data will be sent to Apple server. So we've got to wait and see on that one. But so you're saying that if this was a feature existed now, you wouldn't want, if there was an option to say, tick, monitor my mental health, you wouldn't want any kind of friendly notification saying, maybe use the phone less, or we notice that you're using the phone too much and this might have this impact, chill. Like, how, how would you feel about that in 2021? In 2021, it's all about the individual. Yeah. And as this individual, I don't feel as though I need my phone to 
govern alerting me about my mental health. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by folks that are really in tune with that I communicate with. I don't need my device for that. Yeah. I you know, I'm lucky enough to knock on wood have health insurance where you know, when issues do arise, there's nothing wrong with seeking out therapy and counseling to try to get those issues. I just don't trust these tech companies type of information. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Because we've seen how they've turned it into, well, how can we make money off of right. this? And I don't want you making money off my back. Yeah, you know what? I think I would be much more scared if this was Google because obviously they, so Android is obviously run by Google and they make most of their money through advertisement. So if Google knows that you potentially may have Alzheimer's or showing the early signs of cognitive decline, what's stopping them from using that as a data point to target you for, for their clients? So if, a, if I'm a you know health insurance person, if I'm a, a medical company of whatever kind, then I'm like, I want to target people who are showing decline. Now Google will, hey, presto, we've got this feature. Why don't you just click this on, you know, on Google ads and we can, we can find those people for you. There isn't nothing preventing them from doing that, right? And it's scary. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I understand like it's difficult really because the phone is probably also giving you depression. So it's like, we'll, we'll give you the problem and now we're going to sell you the solution on the back end so it's like it's like a drug dealer i don't know how to I, it's so exactly. weird it's so weird but yeah everyone let's know your thoughts hashtag techish do you want the phone looking out for you in this regard <laughs> so let's let's have a poll the audience on that one hey everyone you know what time it is time for us to pick up another podcast on the hubspot podcast network the audio destination for business professionals we got another show under 30 minutes you know how much i love those and it's i digress which helps to eliminate complexity complications and confusions in your business with framework strategies to achieve scalable and sustainable success hosted by troy sandage this podcast will give you the blueprint to grow and scale your business much faster the i digress podcast lets you learn marketing frameworks sales tactics business insights mindset shifts and proven methodologies hosted by troy sandage aka the strategy hacker who's used these skill sets to launch over 35 plus brands and generate over 175 million million dollars in revenue for clients worldwide Go check it out. I Digress is also a Webby-nominated podcast. Go support that brother. He's doing his thing. I Digress. So ChatGPT is all the range now everyone's using it. I've been using it a lot, actually. I'll be honest with you. So You've been using it on my text, haven't you? I have been, yeah. So <laughs> a few use cases that I have that are very helpful for me. So I was replying back to a custom email. They were like, I'm not happy about this. This is terrible. So I wrote a really short email that was quite blunt. I copied and pasted it, put it into ChatGPT. Make it friendly, please. <laughs> The email came back That's and was like, hello, sir. We have but the, the bulk of what I was saying was the exact same shit. That's so smart. shout out to ChatGPT. So many, and other things like more nerdy stuff, I'll get like a copy and paste like a study about something, whether that's like, I don't know, health and fitness, whatever. Copy it into ChatGPT. I'm like, yo, just summarize it, bullet points. And it will just translate it. Because obviously a lot of studies are quite confusing. It'll be like, oh, mad numbers. And I just get, let me get to the heart of it and it will do that for me. Wow. So a very powerful tool. I showed it to a friend of mine who's a social worker and he was like, this is going to do my job. Like he realized wow. this is half my job is just like gone wow. in a good way. 
because obviously his main crux of his work is helping people, but a lot of the admin type stuff. Mm. It's a very powerful tool. But anyway, I think the reason why I'm bringing it up beyond just extolling his virtues is the fact that, A, obviously last episode talked about how Microsoft invested like $10 bajillion. Mm. But then also now it's come out that there's a lot of workers in Kenya who have been hired essentially to do the grunt work of making sure that chat GPT isn't a racist or be kind of doing gory or terrible results basically because yes. as much as AI is the future it still requires a lot of human work to basically test the results make sure Absolutely. that it's good and unfortunately that just like the rest of the stuff in the western world the work that we don't want to do the work that is too gory the work that is quote unquote beneath us gets mm. outsourced to the developing world and this time in Kenya where they're paid like two dollars a day basically yeah how do you feel about this so let's do the you know the f- both sideism where it's basically this is work that they wouldn't have otherwise mm. this is work that probably if, if it's not them it's going to be outsourced to the philippines is it yeah. good for africa that at least they're getting involved in the technological mm. revolution they're getting paid or is it like this is work that no one should really be doing i don't know like what do you feel so i feel a way about it but i understand i also understand that yeah we often have that position in the west where we're like oh like you know terrible job and it's like bro am i giving you a job i think the thing that i get worried about is what will be the long-term effects of it that we Definitely. still don't quite understand you know what i mean because i feel like if someone says hey come work in my factory or come help me build this railroad you know like okay there's going to be some real physical risk to that there's going right. to be some back-breaking work i'm going to be hunched over i might be getting arthritis, whatever, but at least you know. So when you engage in that transaction as an employee, you're kind of like, well, this is on me. But when you're actually analyzing this kind of data, reviewing this kind of data, like being so exposed to like toxic words, toxic images, what's the real long-term cost on that? And that's the thing that we don't know. And I think that's the thing that I get really afraid of. And, you know, we are still trying to find out what the impact is on people that do content review. You know, there've been some great reports in The Verge by people like Casey Newton, where we've talked about it on the show before, people that review all the videos that get posted to Facebook. That's a terrible job for real. I hate that. You know, the mental health issues that are inherent within that job from like risk of death by suicide all the way to long-term psychological issues. And I think what's quite scary is all of this really interesting research is emerging around mental health, trauma, and intergenerational trauma, right? And why I get really scared is like, if we say the AI revolution must come at the cost of people doing some pretty unhealthy jobs, that's just a necessity for capitalism and the world. Mm -hmm. We have to ask ourselves if that unhealthy job is always done by the same group of people who, quite frankly have been through enough or a lot in history. Like, are we just cementing this world order? Because we're talking about change. We're talking about dismantling systems of oppression like white supremacy. But at the same time, it's white people that can remove themselves from these toxic roles and remove themselves from the most unhealthy roles because of the privilege that they earn. And then it continues to be people of the global majority, indigenous people, black people, brown people, who do not have a choice to say no. And that, to me, is sad. And it makes me angry either. It's not fair. It shouldn't have to be like that. So a man called Jeffrey Hinton, he's basically known as the godfather of AI, basically helped to, I don't know, sounds like a gangster, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> often could refuse. So he's the godfather of AI and basically he was really important in terms of developing neural networks, which is what ChatGPT and a lot of these kind of generative AI tools are kind of based on. Yeah. He le- left Google okay. amicably, been there for a long time, stellar performer, I'm sure, yeah. and has now decided to do a complete 180 after spending all that time getting cashing out at Google, making a whole bunch of money. Now he's like, I'm really worried about AI. Oh, is he and now? he's now saying that he fears that this could run away from human beings and we're not prepared for a society where there are things that are smarter than us oh, is and it? that they could be really misused by bad actors. Oh. Now, 
we wrote an article on Pocket basically saying that actually this is not the first time someone said this before, no. right? So Timothy Gebru, who was an AI ethicist at Google, black woman um, of Eritrean heritage, shout out to my sister. She basically had warned that this is getting out of control mm. and was reprimanded yeah. essentially and faced backlash and wasn't given kind of the green light to kind of go ahead and, and express her thoughts and concerns. And eventually basically was fired. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, sad day in tech. What's going on here? Like, you think this guy basically probably he himself would have got fired if he had spoke up within Google, or do you think it's a thing of it's got to come from the right kind of person? Basically, what is happening right now in the industry is whitewashing of AI ethics. Yeah, and it's terrifying. I, for one, am really scared about this because the first people to speak about the dangers of tech as it was developing and mm. the lack of ethics were underrepresented people mm. black people like when the first apple watch launched it couldn't really work properly on dark skin mm. there are still hand dryers in china right now that can't even recognize black hands yeah. when they go under them to dry hands so you know in the black community we have been saying like we need to have more representation in the room and we need to approach this development with caution and i think like timnit guru was one of the first people that really brought to light some of the dangers i wasn't even aware of and then there's the amazing work of the algorithmic justice league as well with joy bolamuni and it's really frustrating and really upsetting that when thought leaders from our communities step forward with the facts, with the research and lay out the case, these companies shut them down. Right. Like they don't respect their authority and they don't respect their power. But the minute someone from the dominant group speaks up and literally delivers the same message, they're grabbing headlines in the New York Times. New York Times. Times front page is crazy, isn't it? Right. And I think the messed up thing about Timnit Gebru is she was fired from Google, which meant that she didn't get any compensation. She wouldn't have let her stocks materialize. Like she would have just been kicked out the door with nothing. Potentially, yeah. I mean, we don't know that, but potentially, yeah. P potentially, yeah. yeah. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, someone else, you know, leaves on their own terms. Right. Tells the world the same story and is yeah. heralded a champion, a hero. Yeah, it doesn't make no sense. And I think what you're saying about underrepresented people, we feel the brunt of these technologies more. Yes. Because primarily because obviously the lack of training data on on black people, on dark skinned individuals, these technologies end up basically not working with us basically no. well. So even like facial recognition technology, if you're black, you're more likely basically to be misidentified. Mm -hmm. And also you're more likely to basically have facial recognition technology be used on you because you happen to live in areas that disproportionately have higher surveillance. The repercussions are, are crazy. And we had an article on Pocket actually where a dude mm. was arrested and charged with a crime. 100% wasn't him. Wow. And it was based on facial recognition technology. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that a lot of the prominent voices in this space tend to be, you know, black and black women. Yeah, it's really worrying actually because AI is trained on existing data sets, right? Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to ask a computer, right, to make a parole system more efficient, yeah. hey AI, who should go up for parole? Well, the AI is going to look at who historically has been granted parole by judges. Yeah. Let's look at data in the US. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. if you're going up for parole against a judge, you're likely going to be facing a white judge. Yeah. And research shows that because of affinity bias, white judges are more likely to grant parole to white criminals yeah. than to black criminals. So AI is going to look at the existing data and go, black criminals don't get parole, but white criminals do. Right. So my decision is grant all the white criminals parole yeah. and don't give it to any of the black ones. It's not going to necessarily look at the facts of every case because it's also trying to act based on a trend. And then also, even if you say like, even if you say to it like rule out race, it will still look at other characteristics. So let's say it might say, it might not realize that this is a predominantly black area. So mm -hmm. it might say people based in this part of New York tend to not get parole. Therefore, I'm going to factor that into exactly. my, you know, decision making pro process. Yeah, it's messed up.
And that's been this week's Techish. Uh, thanks for listening. Hit us up on hashtag Techish or hit at TechishPod on Instagram and Twitter. Leave a review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Thanks once again for always listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye.